I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Louis Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up? <laughs> oh, before we get into, we're going to talk today about Billy Donovan and SGA's media availability. Uh, that was through Microsoft Teams. We're going to talk about the top 10 rated sophomores in the NBA the podcast that Chris Paul did on the Knucklehead Show, and then some other NBA news and notes. Before we get there, I want to remind you to go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk to get 40% off an annual subscription. It's a great deal. Tons of great content on The Athletic as we speak, and then even better as the NBA returns. But uh, Alex, Billy Donovan, and Shay were available to the media today via Microsoft Teams. Which a uh, really interesting choice by the Thunder once again to, to use Microsoft Teams instead of Zoom. They did confirm that the this will be a similar format for the NBA, although they will use Zoom as we are using right now uh, when they get to Orlando. And this is kind of a new normal. So this is essentially the start of training camp. This is like media day redux for the oh, Thunder. Okay. And... It- They'll do more of these every day. So they started with Billy and SGA, and then they'll do like a few every day for a little while. Do you, do you think this is they would do anything like this when the actual games start? Yeah, they also confirmed that they will, after games, they will do something similar to this, and everybody will be invited to a Zoom call for post games. Wow. Yeah. So because it is like Zoom or Microsoft Teams, like everyone is just, you can see everyone at the same time. <laughs> All the reporters and the person that you actually want to hear from. So, yes, <laughs> yes. But here's the deal. They tell everybody to turn their video off, which I did, because when they say turn your video off, I turn my video off. Everybody else is just like refusing to turn their videos off on this call. <laughs> I don't know if it's because they want to be seen or if they want them to, to see their face. I don't know. But everybody's like, the understanding, and then before we even started, one of the Thunder PR guys like, hey, listen, the understanding is that once this starts, everybody turn your video off and mute yourself. <laughs> Seems pretty simple. Nobody does it. <laughs> everybody wants to have their face on the tile. Uh, I did not. I did turn my video off, but it should not be. It should just be, we should just see Shay's face or Billy's face, but... Uh, it was not like that because uh, you get media, to see everyone. Media That's people want, want to want their faces to be seen, I suppose. Well, because and and you rewarded them by you did a screenshot of your screen, so now everyone does get to see. See, their face. I reinforced all of them. Let's see who, the people that I I reinforced: Royce, Barry Trammell, Eric Horn. <laughs> oh wow, guys! Brady Trantham. Just reinforcing these guys and their and their big old egos, trying to get themselves on Microsoft <laughs> Teams. It's a big deal here. Uh, yeah, they they shouldn't even be able to use because like I did a uh, 
a big zoom call with my work where I had to introduce like 50 people mm-hmm. and there were probably oh, wow. 75 people on this call. And we did the same thing. We were like, please turn off your videos. And it was really just the older folks who yeah. didn't do it <laughs> right. or, or mute themselves. And then you get like the weird feedback thing where I can, where every time I talk, I can hear myself coming out of their computer, <laughs> yeah. which is the worst. Cause oh, no one great. wore, no one wears uh, headphones. Yeah. I don't understand why. I don't either. There's a lot of people on this call that didn't wear headphones either. Gotta wear headphones, guys. These are, these are easy headphones. things. These are simple things. We should know this. Well, we're, we're pros at it now because we've been doing like the trivia show for months. <laughs> this is true. This has been preparation. Yeah. Uh, so Billy Donovan spoke to the media. And the first question off the bat from Eric Horn was about Andre Robertson. So that's one of the, one of the more unknown things heading into Orlando is do they essentially get to sign free agent Andre Robertson and get hit to play him on this team and again there's good news for Andre is that he has been participating in fact Billy did say that everybody all 17 players have reported and have been participating for a while they even reported earlier than they were supposed to so they can get to work so that's good news they want to see how Andre looks in five on five so I remain cautiously optimistic that Andre Robertson will at least be able to participate in practice? Will he be up, able to get up to game speed with these guys, even if he can play? I still think that's a question. The dude hadn't played in two years. So, the good thing for him is that if he's competing for a spot on the wing, there's not a lot of competition. So, he could possibly you know, make himself available to the Thunder when the playoffs start. And I think they'll use probably those first two or three games that are the preseason and then they'll probably play him in some of these other games. I mean, they, they play the wizards and the Suns. Why not get Andre out there against those guys and see what he can do. And we probably know, I mean, compared to him coming back, like if coronavirus never happens, he just tries to come back in April. Yep. He probably has less ground to make up right now because no one's really in game shape. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> maybe it'll be a little bit easier for him. Is the, just the fact that he's back. Is that news or he had, had he rejoined the team? prior to this he had rejoined the team prior he was planning to play with the blue and then planning to oh, okay. try to rejoin for the playoffs that was oh man that would have been cool i know watch some blue games would have been cool but uh anyways other things that billy said that stuck out he said that the team won't be all together uh, in one place until they get to walt disney world which is kind of strange and then he he, he said this and i think that everybody's kind of been hinting at this or talking about this for a little while is that he said, and quote, I have no idea as a coach what our team looks like. Which is, you know, understandable. We don't know if they'll be able to jump right back into what they had been like. I mean, they I mean, think about it. The last time that we saw this Thunder team on the court playing basketball together was in Boston. SGA actually didn't play in that game, and they they beat them off of that that steal um, from Kemba Walker. So Man, I, I I don't know what they'll look like either, but he said he was confident in their ability to get back to a high level of play, which is is good to hear, and that this team is, is very motivated and that they're all going to go. And I also assume, and nobody asked this, and it really should have been asked, uh, I assume that nobody tested positive for, for COVID-19 on the team or within the team's facility at all. Yeah. Uh, but no, again, no one asked that question, so I cannot confirm that wholeheartedly you, 
you'd have to think, and maybe I'm just making this up to make myself feel better, but the fact that this team seems to have such good chemistry would lead you to believe that they'll get back to where they were maybe a little bit quicker just because they've been in contact with all with each other. Obviously there's a whole physical aspect of playing basketball, but on the mental side, like they've been with each other basically this whole time doing like regular zoom calls and things. Yeah. Yeah. I think they do have somewhat of an advantage there and that there's really the hierarchy is, is easy for this team. There are other teams, even in Thun- in the past with the Thunder, where it was like, okay, like we know Melo thinks that he's a top-tier player, but he's really like a third-tier player, and we have to treat him like a top-tier player, and there's really none of that. It's really Chris Paul is at the top. I think everybody recognizes that. And then everybody else just kind of falls somewhere in there, and no one really cares. And so there's not like this... A, a lot of, really the last three years with Russ, there was a lot of ego to manage, there's really none of that with this team. I think that there's there were low expectations with this team heading into the season, and they exceeded those. And I think it's funny because I think that expectations are actually much higher now after this break for this yeah, team. I mean, you hear people say things like they think the Thunder will for sure make the second round, and I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. I can't say that. I don't know what they're going to look like in these eight games because we saw them look great toward the end of – what was the end of the season, but we've also seen them at the beginning of the season play very poorly together as a group. So are we going to, because they have had that experience, are they going to be able to just jump right back in or is it going to be clunky to start like it was the start of the season and trying to figure each other out again? I would assume it's probably somewhere in the middle. I assume that they're not going to come back and just be roaring like they were as, I mean, they played like one of the best teams in the league and I, I don't know if they can get back there that quick. I think that, you know, a lot of it will just depend on your your raw talent that you have on your roster. And the Thunder have a, a, a good roster, but definitely not like one of the top talented rosters in the Western Conference. So I, I just have a feeling that this NBA playoffs will, it'll be about availability and about talent. And if the Thunder, the Thunder have a good five, a good closing five, can... They have one guy, like a, a Lou Dort or um, and the, <laughs> New Orleans Noel or somebody just have like a really good playoff uh, to kind of help buoy those bench minutes. So I think that will be pretty interesting. But I think the closing lineup I think you feel confident about is just that they, they, they need, they've got five guys that I feel really confident with and then they, they need to have three more to step up and, and play yeah. well. And I, I think maybe some one part of the kind of increased expectations is just over this period, there really hasn't been any bad news coming about out about the Thunder. You know, yeah. like obviously uh, Bogdanovich is out now for the Jazz. The Mavs, we know they're not going to have Dwight Powell and they probably aren't going to have Courtney Lee. Yeah. Um, the Nuggets, you know, Jokic got COVID, although he did lose a lot of weight. So that, you know, he... Right. They did get some positive news. Um, Avery Bradley's out for the Lakers. Like they've really skated by during this couple month period without receiving any type of negative news. And so it's hard not to feel really positive about them, even though I don't know if anything really tangibly has changed. Yeah. I guess you could say the same thing about the Rockets. I mean, I, I probably feel better about the Rockets now. We felt awful about them when the season stopped. Yeah. And now you see skinny James Harden. And I know, I know. 
And I don't know if that's the because we do this we do this every off season with with certain teams, right? They these are there's teams that just theoretically work better in your in your head than they do on the court. And the Thunder were one of those teams the past several years, right? You got Paul George, you got Russell Westbrook, Stephen Adams. Oh man, what a great team! That's a Western Conference finalist, right? No, <laughs> you know I I just wonder I. I feel the same way about the Rockets, but in the back of my head, I'm like, is this just like the off-season effect? I know that we're we're worried about them being worn out, and now they have a chance to rest, and they, they can get back to what they were, but what they were wasn't that great. Their record is worse than the Thunders, or it's the right. same as the Thunders. So I don't, I don't know if that's just the off-season effect that having star names on their roster does for them, or if or if this legitimately does help them, if I think that it does help PJ Tucker, but still PJ Tucker will still have to be your primary big. I mean, that's the guy. Yeah. So I, I just no, wonder I, if that's, if that's because there's actual reasons why, or if it's just, Oh, okay. It's Russell Westbrook, James Harden. And we know those names and they've had success and all these things that go into that. I, I think it's partly, and it's true of Jokic as, as well, is that these two guys are like, famously quote unquote out of shape, even though they're obviously at the top of their game. <laughs> right. And so like seeing those two guys look kind of ripped or, or like very in shape now is kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is different to me than just an average muscle watch, just because these guys were already superstars and now they appear to have made like significant changes to their bodies in a very short period of time. And so it does feel more significant for whatever reason. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't disagree. I, I I think a lot like Billy does is that what do we really know about the Thunder, about any of these teams, or what do we actually know to be true about how they're going to play? And I think that like stylistically, they're going to have, everybody has their way to play, but I just don't know with cohesion and what they want to do on the court. Because I'm, you remember like, the Rockets were leaning heavily on Russell Westbrook. Yeah, during that last part of their season, and Russ was playing amazing, and James Harden was really not very good for them. And then what happens if James Harden comes back and he's at the peak of his powers, and Russ is at the peak of his powers? Like where, what? Because the styles differed drastically when it was Russ's team or James's team. And so I just it's it's something to to consider because I think the Thunder will try to offensively play one way. And that they play very unselfishly. No one really takes more than 15 shots. It's, you know, they, they try to spread the ball around. That's what they do. And the Rockets, it's, I mean, Russ is taking like 29 shots a game. Yeah. I mean, it's it's <laughs> going to be, it's going to be very interesting. And also, I mean, you have to, Russ has just not been very good in the playoffs the past two years. And what do you do right. with that? Will he be better now that he's had time to rest? Will he, will he be more focused now that he doesn't take any threes? I think those are good questions to ask. I think that if the Thunder and the Rockets matched up in the first round, I'd still probably pick the Rockets. Um, but I wouldn't say the Thunder don't have a chance. No, I mean, if they get any of Rockets, Jazz, or even the Nuggets, I'm starting to feel a little bit more positive about them playing the Nuggets as well. Yeah. Which I'll be honest is only 
The only reason is because I listened to that low post. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it does that to you. It really it does. does. You hear two smart people say like, oh, I don't really think they're contenders. Like, I think they're a really good team, but they're not contenders. You're like, oh, okay. So that means that uh, we can beat them. That's right. That's exactly what that means. <laughs> the Thunder going to the Western Conference Finals, barring injury here. Uh, SGA also spoke to the media today. And one, he's a hooper. Two, he's got some new cool hair. What do you think about his his hair and his uh, his headband? Uh, yeah, he he's never worn a headband, has he? No. Yeah, he's definitely got a Travis Scott look now, and uh, I like I like <laughs> the headband. I like the braids. Yeah. Um, I'm always open for new looks. So if he if this is his bubble look, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm um, I'm all in on this look with SGA. And he said that he's been playing pretty much the whole time. He said it started out playing outside when all of this happened, and he's been in a gym, you know, all the time essentially. And he is wearing a mask in public. He is using uh, Purell on the reg. So uh, everybody <laughs> right. should, everybody should follow what SGA is doing out there. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, not not a whole lot from from SGA or from Billy that's like, oh, this was groundbreaking, but it, it's good to kind of get back into a flow, even though it's like a completely new flow. This is this was like I said, this is media day and it's it's very strange. It's very strange. Well, if, you think, if you think about it, like on the one hand, you know, I saw you say, you know, tweeting out the things they were talking about. It's like, well, they didn't really talk about it a lot. But then I I was thinking about uh, what I've done over these couple months and like what pe- when people ask me like how's it been going and i'm just like yeah you know it's like whatever like you know <laughs> like i have nothing to say yeah i know i've done nothing exciting yeah like do you want, you want me to tell you about like the video game i've been playing or like the shows i've been watching i've been mowing my lawn like I think I, I, and you I, say things even, like it's been crazy man it's been so crazy it's, it's crazy so, yeah it's, oh, it's so crazy <laughs> but like for him, you know, he's probably just doing what he usually would do, like play basketball. You know, he's probably playing some video games. Like there, there's probably just not a lot, even though we hold these people on very high pedestals. Their lives probably aren't that different from us over these past couple months. Yeah, I think that's very true. Uh, SGA did say that he didn't ever think twice about joining the team in Orlando. He was asked if he had any trepidations about joining the team, and he said... The, Essentially, he just wants to play basketball. I just want to play basketball again. And so that's where his head's at. He doesn't have a lot of fear about going into the bubble. Of course, there's risk involved, but he doesn't seem to be afraid of it. There's just a lot of still uncertainty that kind of hangs over the NBA as a whole. Uh, Transitioning to their next topic about the top 10 ranked sophomores in the NBA, SGA makes uh, an appearance on this list. As high as number two, according to Mike Schmitz. So Mike Schmitz and Kevin Pelton. Mike Schmitz does uh, NBA draft stuff for ESPN. Kevin Pelton, we all know, does a ton of writing for for ESPN as well. And Mike Schmitz has SGA ranked second, and Pelton has him ranked third in this class. So I'll I'll read off Mike Schmitz's list, and then we can can talk about it. So Luka Doncic, clearly number one. SGA two. Trey Young, three. DeAndre Ayton, four. Jaron Jackson, five. Mitchell Robinson, six. Colin Sexton, Devontae Graham, Dante DiVincenzo, and Marvin Bagley. Uh, what are your thoughts on on this list? Uh, my first thought was, 
you know, obviously we knew we were getting a, a good prospect when the trade originally went down the Paul George trade, but why everyone knows that SGA would not have been at two and three on these lists at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I mean, he'd probably be definitely behind Trey, definitely behind Jaron Jackson Jr., probably behind DeAndre Ayton. Yep. Um, so to already see that growth in what is a pretty loaded class, at least at the top. Yeah. Um, with Luca, Trey, Jaron Jackson, um, especially those three players. And, and you could throw DeAndre Ayton in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he has kind of solidified himself up at the top with those two guys is pretty amazing. Um, and it just speaks to the fact that OKC didn't just get a really good prospect. They got like a blue chip prospect. Yeah, it's a huge deal when you're talking about a rebuild. Is Some people question whether he is enough to keep you from a rebuild. I don't think he is, uh, by the way. I mean, look in the at, same way that Trey isn't. Exactly, exactly. You switch him and Trey on the Hawks. Is, I, how many more wins do the Hawks have? Like they're I mean, still going to be bad. I mean, maybe not. <laughs> maybe the same. <laughs> maybe the exact same. So, yeah, if the Thunder don't have good players around him, they won't be a very good team for a little while. I mean, Shea's still extremely young. So, but it, it it is encouraging for the Thunder rebuild that uh, hasn't started yet. By the way, if you're saying that this rebuilding team is making the playoffs, you're you're wrong. This is not a rebuilding team yet. This is a team that is in transition and will be playing at a high level in Orlando. And I think it's good experience for Shea. I think that it's it's a great thing that he gets to go in and play in the playoffs his first two years, and because it may be a little while before he gets back there. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I thought that list was really, really interesting. Uh, yeah, I for sure ha- would have had Jaron Jackson ahead of him to start the season. Yeah, And, you know, Colin Sexton is a guard that went before him. I mean, Colin Sexton's not even on Pelton's list. And I know it's, it's kind of interesting comparing their two lists because I feel like Pelton is uh, basically not like giving up on these more higher ceiling guys like Colin Sexton and Marvin Bagley, but Mm -hmm. he is more emphasizing some of the guys who could be potential role players in the league for a really long time. Like he has Duncan Mm -hmm. Robinson and Mikhail Bridges on his list, Mm -hmm. um, which do not show up on Mike Schmidt's list. And I've been listening to a lot of, you know, redrafting podcasts. And what you often find is by the time they get to like pick six or pick seven in a draft, they're usually talking about like which really good role players came out of this draft. Yep. So Pelton's is probably more likely where it would end up. Um, even though like someone like Marvin Bagley, you think would still have a much higher ceiling than all of these other guys up to like Deandre Ayton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'd still probably slot him in behind Deandre Ayton at five based on his upside. And so for Pelton to already say like two years in, like um, I wouldn't even put him in my top 10, man, that's tough. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, especially just passing. Well, we'll pass on Luca. We want Marvin Bagley. He's going to be our Kevin Durant to the Russell Westbrook of De'Aaron Fox. That was like a real thing they talked about, which is just uh, very, yeah. it's, it's very sad. Very, very Kings. Even imagine if they had just taken Jaron Jackson. Yeah. Like how much different it would all be. Just take a good player. Just have a good guy on your team. That's uh, so rough. They can eat, I mean, they could have even taken Shea, which at the time would have been a reach. 
So there were guys that wouldn't have been like Jaron Jackson wouldn't have been a reach at that spot. Obviously, Luca would not have been a reach either, but uh, Shea would have been a reach. But still, you could see those two playing alongside each other. Darren Fox and SGA. I think they would actually be a pretty nice combo next to each other. Uh, and this this is still a really deep class because you look at guys who weren't on either of their lists. Mm-hmm. Wendell Carter Jr., yeah. who I still like, even though he's had some injuries. Kevin Herter, mm-hmm. um, Landry Shamet, uh, DeAnthony Melton, Jalen Brunson, Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this was, this was a deep class. Yeah. It was a really nice draft class. Uh, a lot a lot better than a lot of people thought going into it. And there's a lot of people still have high hopes for DeAndre Ayton, who yeah. you know, had, had actually a pretty good second year when he was on the court. Uh, next topic. Uh, athletic writers John Krasinski and Josh Robbins did an anonymous poll of NBA coaches about the best defenders in the NBA. And so they had them essentially fill out their all defense first and second teams, which are as follows. That includes zero Thunder players, but there are some Thunder players that receive votes. Uh, Rudy Gobert, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Marcus Smart, Kawhi Leonard, and Ben Simmons are on the first team. All makes sense. I don't really have any qualms about those. And then second team, Anthony Davis, Patrick Beverly, Eric Bledsoe, PJ Tucker, and Bam Adebayo. Are on the second team. And so the Thunder did have some players that received votes on the list. Chris Paul did receive one first place vote and two second place votes. And then Steven Adams for the center position received two second place votes. Uh, you're skipping one that I just saw. Oh, yeah. No, I did skip him because it still is pretty wild <laughs> to think about considering all the things that Dunked On said about him three years ago or two years ago, or whenever that was. But Dennis Schroeder received a second-place vote this year, which I think is very much deserved. So think about this. He received as many votes as the following players. So listen up, everybody. As many votes as Avery Bradley, Malcolm Brogdon, Josh Richardson, Matisse Tybel, Fred Van Vliet. He is in the class with all those guys, obviously. That's what this means, right? <laughs> I... I can't believe that. And then uh, I saw Sabonis got a vote as well. He did. No moss. That's yeah. a, that was a weird one. Uh, honestly, my biggest takeaway from this is that I think Ben Simmons is the most underrated player in the league. Yeah. Um, in terms of how fans think about him. And if I don't think that Philly would ever trade him, but if they ever did, a team that could actually build around Simmons to his strength could I mean, I, I would throw, I wouldn't give up Shea for Ben Simmons, but I would give up so much else for Ben Simmons. I know. I mean, the fact that this many coaches consider him like a top five defender and a perimeter defender in the league, and all we care about is the fact that he can't shoot, <laughs> which we only really care about that because of the way that his team has been set up. Yes. That's exactly I mean, right. We're not, we're not talking about that with Russell Westbrook anymore because he's, has a team that is built for his strengths. Mm-hmm. And as soon as a team does that with Ben Simmons, I just feel like we're, we're going to see like unlock a new level of Ben Simmons. Yeah. No, I don't, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, if you had Shea and Ben Simmons surrounded by three quality shooters, it would be killer. I mean, he could, if I don't know if he would ever be willing to move off the ball a little bit more. But if he he could be super Draymond Green, 
right? Yeah. I mean, as a passer, as a guy, because he he screens actually quite a bit for the Sixers. And as a guy that will catch lobs and that can catch on the short roll and throw out to a shooter, that really just don't really exist on the Sixers right now. But if you had two creators and just shooters around them, I mean, he can play center on defense and against a lot of teams. So I I think that it's a he is such an interesting player and to watch him evolve. It's it's just a really odd pairing, obviously with with Joel Embiid, but yeah, his future is is very very bright. And and they are going to be one of the more interesting stories in Orlando because obviously if the season had ended when it normally was going to end, Ben Simmons probably wouldn't have played or would have been coming back from injury. Yep. And, uh, you know, if they have a great playoffs, it changes everything. If they go out in the first round, the biggest story is going to be, oh, the Sixers have to trade one of these guys. Mm-hmm. And given how much they've upended their roster over these past two years, I don't think you can rule it out. Yeah. No, I think that's right. Uh, there was a quote about Chris Paul from a coach. Uh, he said, I don't know if you saw this. He says, he's, great on, he's a great on the ball defender, one coach said. He does not chase well at all. Said <laughs> of Chris Paul, who is 35 years old. So let's uh, make sure to give him some credit there. That's why you surround him with all these like water bug guys like Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it really works. I mean, it obviously has really worked for this Thunder team that is in the top half of the league in defense. So it's uh, it's it's a good thing. So, yeah, go check out that article at theathletic.com. You can go to, again, go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk to get 40% off an annual subscription. And it also uh, helps support the people that support down to dunk. So please do that. A uh, couple more things before we go. Chris Paul was on the Knuckleheads podcast. If you don't haven't listened to it, uh, it's, it's really actually pretty great. Uh, he talks a lot about his career, about his even his high school and college career and everything that led up to him being in the NBA. Uh, he talked about how close he is with guys like SGA and Darius Baisley, how they're over at his house for dinner and stuff like that all the time. Uh, but Alex, what are some of the things that stuck out to you from that interview? I mean, the first thing is just we really haven't known a Thunder player this well, this quickly. Yeah. Um, over the entire length of the team. And and part of that was the way the Thunder organization like doled out interviews. Like we just, I've, I've never heard a Westbrook podcast like this. Maybe they exist out there, but I don't know if, if I've ever heard one. And, yeah. and then KD didn't do any of those type of podcasts until after he left right. and doing them with Bill Simmons. Um, and then, you know, Russ is just a more, a, you know, more private guy. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's just I enjoy these things because you just get to learn like what these guys are like. Yep. Um, like I knew nothing about the way Chris Paul grew up, and he's talking about you know working at his grandfather's uh, like auto body shop, you know, like changing tires and uh, changing oil, and wanting to stay close to home and wanting to be a, a UNC Tar Heel his whole life, but they only offered him to walk on. <laughs> no, it seems so crazy? crazy. And and the reason why was because Raymond Felton was coming in. Right. I know. There were yeah. some crazy things. He talked about how he played JV basketball for two years and he, he acted like a guy that didn't have like the confidence to get to the NBA at points in high school and even in college. It's just weird to think about. And he said he didn't 
tried to go to the league after his first year of college because he said he was too big of a fan of the NBA to go. Yeah. Which I thought was was super interesting. Um, and it's just, I mean, and, and it makes kind of sense because he was a, and he still is short um, in mm-hmm. the realm of point guard. So, I mean, that's probably why he's been undervalued a lot throughout his career. But he was talking about how when the Atlanta Hawks, they made their announcement on draft night, like he started standing up because <laughs> at that point he had worked out for them. Everyone yeah. knew that Atlanta needed a point guard. It, it made sense to everyone. And for him, it made sense because Atlanta was kind of close to home. Yeah. And to then go to new Orleans and everything that happened with Katrina. And a really funny story was him going to work out for new Orleans, which he did not want to do, but he agreed to do it because they said they were going to take him whether he came or not. So he was like, well, I might as well go. And they took him to uh what's it? TGI Friday? TGI Fridays, baby. TGI Fridays. Yeah. <laughs> and even uh, Quinn Richardson and Darius Miles were joking. Like nowadays you would go to like nicest restaurant in the world. Right. <laughs> and that was only like, that wasn't that long ago. No. And they were whining and dining. A like lottery pick at TGI Friday. Yeah. Just him and Byron Scott just <laughs> hanging out at TGI Fridays. Oh, man. I'm trying to even think of something I would get at TGI Fridays. Uh, I, I mean, that's like so, that's like a story you would hear about like a college recruiting trip. Yeah. I mean, maybe like, even not. Maybe <laughs> maybe they would even be above TGI Fridays. Yeah. There's a really good chance of that. <laughs> it is really funny. Because, I mean, it's not uh, like they weren't making a ton of money back then either. This wasn't like 50 years ago. Right. Where the NBA was making no money. I mean, it's it, <laughs> just a just a strange move. Strange and, move. Uh, I enjoyed uh, what he was. He talked about the New Orleans Hornets team that lost in seven to the Spurs in the second round. Yeah, which I always love that team because I it doesn't that team doesn't make as much sense now. But back then, like every single position, they were like the ideal person for that position. Yeah, like you had the floor general, point guard. You had the amazing shooting like Peja Stojakovic yep. at shooting guard. You kind of had like a three and D guy in Morris Peterson. You had like the classic like power forward who was, and they talked about how automatic David West was from oh, the free yeah. throw line, oh, yeah. which that's the thing you always remember about David West, mm-hmm. especially watching him those first two years in OKC. And then Tyson Chandler, just like the perfect, like ideal center. And I, I love that team so much, just how perfectly they fit together and I had forgotten that they went up 2-0 in that series and, in fact, like blew them out in at least game one, if not game two as well. And Chris Paul was talking about just because he was younger, you know, he was just like, oh, I'm going to be back here. And he he seemed to suggest that when they got up 2-0, he, he just started feeling like a little too confident. Yeah. And then they ended up losing in seven. Um, but, yeah, there, there were just some really good stories. And he just had a really – amazing career mm-hmm. like he's been a part of so many things i mean they talked they brought up the uh failed lakers trade they brought up the donning donald sterling saga they brought up the recent uh the game ending with the jazz because of rudy gobert's positive COVID test like yep. he's been at so many important points of this league uh throughout these last 15 years or whatever he's just he's had an awesome career yeah he has and he's still got a lot of it to go I mean, yeah. his, his resurgence and his health has been a huge thing for him this year. Because a lot of guys, I think in the past, 
he seemed to be on this trajectory of his body just breaking down year after year after year, and he played less and less games every year, similar to what Steve Nash kind of had in his yeah. latter part of his career. But it's, he's kind of had a resurgence with his with his health, and I think that if that can continue, I think that he'll be a guy that plays till he's 40, 42 years old, something like that, like we just saw with Vince Carter, maybe not in huge prominent roles like he is with the Thunder, but... He's a guy that'll play for a long time, and it'll be interesting to see how long that is because he's obviously still very effective. The dude made an all-star team and has a chance to be an all-NBA player this year. Yeah, and, and I think part of that is being on a team like the Thunder where he doesn't like he's able to dominate without having to expend a ton of energy throughout the entire game Yep, because um, he has so many guys around him yep. who are competent. Did you see that uh, Seth Par- Partnow uh, put out a graph a scatter plot <laughs> of uh, separated by the percentage of self-created shots. So that was on the x-axis, and then the effective field goal percentage. So basically, if you're in the top right of this graph, you are guys who do take a lot of self-created shots, and you have a really high effective field goal percentage. And the guy that is like furthest out, because obviously you would want to be at, at like the point of the top right, is Chris Paul. And like he's up there with guys like Damian Lillard, James Harden, uh, Luca, Kyrie, Eric Bledsoe is actually up there. Um, and then further down, like getting closer, is Demar Derozan, LeBron James, Giannis, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, Brandon Ingram. Those are some of the other guys. But to, for him to be up there with guys that I think of, like James Harden and Luca, especially for yeah. these guys who are shot creators and make a really high percentage, and he's doing it at age thirty-five. I mean, it's pretty incredible yeah it is and that he can remain efficient and not i mean he never has taken a ton of shots per game in his career but the fact that he can remain efficient uh, is a huge deal and and a big reason why the thunder have been as successful as they have been is that he, he can have games where he goes off i mean he talked about uh on the podcast about him in that bulls game when they played him at home. And it's it's funny to hear the dynamics that go on behind the scenes of that. Not only was he incredible in that game in the fourth quarter, uh, he also afterwards talked to guys that were on the Bulls that had been in his camps in the summer, you know, as kids. Oh, right, and, yeah. And that he <laughs> had fun getting to tell talk to them. He said that guys in that are in the league will call him coach. <laughs> which is just hilarious. Oh, the other weird part of that podcast, the very first question was like, who was the guy that like schooled you first in the NBA? Yes. And he said, Chuck, Chuck, but yeah. he, he was referring to Allen Iverson and I've yes. never heard Allen Iverson called Chuck before. Is that like a, did I miss, is that what he was saying? He was saying Chuck. And I kept thinking you weren't in the league with Charles Barkley. I know. That's what I was thinking. But then he, he would, eventually say like AI, AI or whatever. Yeah. And I don't, honestly, it's a funny nickname for Allen Iverson because <laughs> he takes so many shots and I don't know if that's what it's in reference to. Yeah. <laughs> but I've never either. heard Allen Iverson called Chuck before. Let's see if that's even a basketball reference. Cause I don't, I had never heard that either. And I was, I was very thrown off by that. Cause I didn't know if he was like getting to his answer, which was going to be Charles Barkley. Bubba Chuck is one of his nicknames on Basketball Reference. The answer, AI, Bubba Chuck, Jules, and the third degree. Huh. Wow. 
I thought I was a huge Iverson fan, and I had never known that. I get. I mean, I guess you were wrong. If, if you've never called him Bubba Chuck, you must not be <laughs> the biggest AI fan. I mean, it's a cool name. I wish you had said the Bubba part. Bubba Chuck. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> it's a oh, cool Bubba name. Chuck. Bubba Chuck would have killed me. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, t- he said that he took like 24 shots in the first half. <laughs> yeah. Which is classic Iverson. It is classic AI. Uh, Cameron Payne signed a two-year deal with the Suns. Thoughts? Yeah. Feelings? Good for him. Yeah. Hey, I mean, the longer he stays in the league, the less of a bad pick that looks for <laughs> Sam Presti. Right, and now the Suns get to have back-to-back picks from that draft on their team. Cam, oh, that's true. Cam and Devin, Devin Booker. Booker and Cameron Payne. <laughs> what a dynamic duo they'll have there in Phoenix. I guess he'll now, play. I guess he'll play. Two-year deals are weird now, though, right? Because that means the end of this year and next year. Yes, I believe that's correct. Because that was kind of like how uh, David Nwaba got a two-year deal. Yes. But really, he's not going to play this year. It's really a minimum deal for next year. Yes. They're just getting them early. And they could use them in Orlando if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. I would guess that Cam will go with the team. And then they'll, they'll discover the same thing the Thunder did years ago. Oh, wow. Still have it out for campaign. Still. Hey, I was at that one Bucks game when he was incredible. Yeah, he did that once. Still, still have hope. Yeah, he did that. He did that one time. Uh, before we go, any thoughts about the eight-game schedule for the Thunder? Any any feelings, predictions for, for the team moving into Walt Disney World? And uh, what's your concern level for, for this restart? Uh, concern level is probably the same as it was last week. I'm really trying not to overreact to every single piece of bad news that comes out. Um, cause you can, you can make a case against this exceedingly fast. <laughs> uh, there's plenty of articles you could reference yeah. if you're, if you're trying to, uh, prove that this was, this is a bad idea. And you know, the, like the, the biggest one this week, I feel like was the nuggets having to shut down their facilities. Yep. Um, because multiple people tested positive. Um, so, But I'm trying not to overreact because we kind of knew all this going in. Yeah. We knew this was going to happen. We knew there were going to be positive tests. What we what we are, are really should be worried about is the first time somebody gets a positive test in the bubble. Yeah. That, that will be a significant piece of news, regardless of who it is, regardless if they're asymptomatic or not. That will be when I think you can start having concerns, which honestly, like we know that's going to happen. Like the chances that we get through this entire bubble thing and no one within the bubble ever tests positive. I mean, that would be incredible. It would be a miracle. (laughs) Yeah. So we kind of have to expect that. Um, So I don't know. I'm I'm just kind of waiting. Yeah. Because I, I... Obviously, we all know what what is happening with the um, trends right now in a lot of parts of the country, like Mm -hmm. California and Texas and Florida, especially the big the big states. And everyone's kind of waiting to see what happens with the death rates Mm -hmm. um, because they've been relatively positive so far. I mean, they continue to kind of go down or be stable. um, But we also know that deaths can be a lagging indicator. So. You know, people who get COVID who are going to die don't die instantly. Mm-hmm. You know, they first have to go to the hospital and then they have to go to the ICU and they're usually put on ventilators. And so it can take three to four weeks for deaths to show up. But on the flip side, 
We're also thinking that a lot of these new infections are from young people who tend to have milder symptoms. Yep. So it's possible because of that and because of hospitals having more lead time to get like PPE and get hospital beds ready, maybe they can withstand a, a bigger wave and we won't see as high of death rates. And maybe treatments have gotten better. Um, I'm sure management of COVID has gotten better from where it was in March. So mm-hmm. um, I think everyone on like the epidemiology side is kind of just waiting yeah, I, and I think that if you, there's a lot of people that think positively about what the, the NBA is going to do. There's a lot of people that just think it's not going to work at all. That's just going to fall apart. Uh, I, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I'm hoping for the best, and you just, but you just don't know. Nobody knows. This is a grand experiment. I mean, that's just what this is. Is an experiment of sorts to see if they can carry this out, and. There's still people that out there that think that this has like a 65 to 85% success rate for the NBA as a whole. Yeah. Which I'll take it, you know, you, you take anything positive at this point because there is a, I mean, you turn on the news, it's just one negative thing after another. But, uh, if the, if the NBA can pull this off, I think that it would be a huge positive thing, obviously for the pocketbook of NBA owners and NBA players, but I think it would be a really positive thing for the United States of America as a whole to have something big on the national stage. That's positive. I think that it, that it could help. And I know that people are just like, oh, this is only about money. And it is, I mean, the reason that they're doing it is because of money, but I think that it could have positive effects if it does end up working out. Yeah, um, it, it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, we're still so far away. Um, know. You know, like the Thunder, you were asking me about the schedule. The Thunder don't even play a game in July. Yep. You've got to wait all the way till August 1st. So we're 30 days away. Or a month away. From, and, and so much can change in a month. Oh, yeah. For, for better, for worse, so much can change. We just have no clue. Right. But, but you asked me about their schedule, and i got to say, the first thing I'm looking at is these start times, because these are all... I know central standard time so i'm taking back two hours and i'm like oh baby this there's is a game awesome. at like 9 30 a.m for you that that is the game i'm most excited about <laughs> one of my, my favorite thing about living on the west coast is during nfl season when you wake up and games start at 10 a.m yeah and you can just like eat some breakfast and God, you don't have to get changed awesome. i mean i guess you don't have to get changed for night games either but yeah. or especially right now but this 9.30 a.m. game, like, I'm going to make myself some eggs and toast, you know? I'm going to have some, a nice cup of tea and watching some morning basketball on a big screen, not on an illegal stream. Wow. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Yeah, I love the I mean, it's, it's going to have game. that summer league feel. Yes. Um, except I'll probably be able to – I won't be, like, sneaking <laughs> – or I won't have a second screen open at work because I'm not at work. Yeah. I can actually, like, manage my schedule now around these games. It's going to be which incredible. Which is very exciting. It's going to be incredible. Uh, Alex, thanks for coming on the show. We can follow you on Twitter at OutBabyCakes. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you have an iPhone. It's really easy. Click the Purple Podcast app. Search Down to Dunk. Hit five stars, leave us a message. I read all of those and they mean a lot to all of us. Hope you have a great day and we will talk to you guys again on Friday.